Welcome to my fifth episode of Off Air with Carmen. This week's guest is my brother, Bill Martin. Of course, if you listen to The Morning Cruise, you hear Bill and I, along with our third, Dave, every weekday morning. Bill and I have worked together for almost 17 years, and I can honestly say I've learned as much about the Bible from Bill as I have anyone. In this episode, Bill and I are going to talk about one of Bill's favorite subjects, and mine too, Scripture. What happens when you set the Bible aside in the name of looking more like Jesus? And are there red flags to look for when someone has done that? Bill gets pretty heady in this conversation, just like so many conversations we've had off air. But I guarantee you, if you listen all the way through, you'll learn important stuff you can use in your own life as you grow in your understanding of the Bible. Here's my conversation with Bill. All right, Bill Martin. We're doing your favorite thing right now. Ah, we are. I get to do this with you. Yes. This this is is crazy. It is. We've moved out of the studio. Yeah. We're sitting on this white leather couch. Yeah. And we're just going to talk. We are going to talk. And here's the thing. Number one, you're the first guy. It's only appropriate that you or Dave, and I didn't know which one it would be, would be the first man on my podcast. I knew it'd be you or Dave, and mm-hmm. it's you. Mm-hmm. So I will get Bill and I mean, no, wait, <laughs> I've only worked with you for 16 years. I will get Dave in here at some point. I won't tell him you said that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but yes, we are sitting in my office. Do you want my Snuggie? Because I threw it to the side and you seemed a little sad. Well, it's, gotta... a, it's a little chilly today. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to put you it want my leopard my Snuggie? Back. I really, I really crazy. liked it. It's too bad we're not videoing this. So here's my leopard Snuggie. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. Bill and I, we, we're going to have a conversation today, and actually, I want to talk about scripture. Okay. And this has been a podcast, I think, that we've probably recorded in our minds for a long time. And we always tease on the air that we are students because we have to be. And we tease you about that. But in all honesty, and I've told you that this, and I want to say it on my podcast, of the last 15 years of my life, longer the people that I've learned the most from just in terms of theology and my relationship with Jesus, there's three people on that short list, Louis Giglio, Beth Moore, and Bill Martin. Mm. And the fact that I have such close proximity to you because we work together is such a gift. And I almost, you are that, what was that game show where you could like phone a friend? Which game show was that? Uh, what is millionaire oh, yeah. who, telling who wants to be a millionaire, who wants to be a millionaire? Right, 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 right. I feel like and you have been for me that phone a friend like mm. if I have questions about scripture or you, you've done that Bible, <laughs> I know I've done hey. it a lot and I've put you on speaker <laughs> hey Bill I've got so and so in the car with me let's talk about that but before we dive in you and I share a passion for scripture and yeah. you and I share a passion for biblical theology and I think sitting where we sit doing a morning show together we have watched from a distance that slipping a little bit. And I know you brought in the Beth Moore quote, and that mm-hmm. probably will be the best place to start because we yeah. were sitting at Passion however many years ago, probably five years ago now, four or five years ago. And Beth Moore said something that stopped us in our tracks. And it's happening right now. And, and you can do the quote, but the gist of it was, you're going to see a generation set aside scripture in order to be more like Jesus. Yes. And she she had such a, I mean, she's a keen observer. She's yeah. looking around and the exact quote is, you will watch a generation of Christians mm. set the Bible aside yeah. in an attempt to become more like Jesus. And stunningly, 
it will sound completely plausible. plausible. Now that wasn't written down anywhere, but you, you, we went back and we went back and found it. Yeah. We wrote it down. Transcribed it. You posted it on Instagram. And it went crazy. Right. And Bill, it's true. Yeah. We're seeing it. And you know, we want to be careful here because we love all of our brothers and, and sisters in Christ. But this move away from scripture is alarming. And I've had, couple of conversations with close friends and I was listening to something the other day it doesn't even matter what but when you hear phrases like even though my relationship with scripture has changed Mm -hmm. but and then they finish their statement it's like what does that even mean like how does your relationship with scripture change that means if it's changed that means it was one way and now it's another way Um, so here's the last thing I'll say before you dive in I was going for a walk just last night and I've just the whole other story for another day, but I've just had some, I've had some insecure. I'm not an insecure person. You've known me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle with a lot of things. Insecurity isn't one of them. Nope. Not at all. I can vouch for that. Yes. Yeah. And so, and you're, you know, for those who don't know, Carmen is an Enneagram seven. Yeah. Everything she does, both feet. Yeah. And usually you usually head first with feet following behind. One hundred percent. Yes. And so I don't struggle with insecurity. And so last night it's like, okay, I'm going to put on my worship music. I'm going to just let it wash over me. I'm going to go walk, exercise. I've got a place that I like to sit at my pond and you know watch the sunset and just spend time with Him. And I just remember praying. And I think sometimes when we can't hear God's voice, we can read God's voice. And I said it last night. I've said it to you, and I'll say it again. If I'm going to go down believing, I'm mm-hmm. going to go down with scripture. And mm-hmm. I think in the last 10, 15, 20 years, there's just this generation of believers that all of a sudden they feel so enlightened, like they know something that all of our forefathers didn't know. I'm just going down with scripture. Yeah. I'm just going down with it. So yeah. talk to us and tell us why scripture and it being the era inerrant word of God is so important. Well, maybe before we get there, yeah, I I, I could share just a little bit yeah. of my own story with okay. this because um, I came to Christ as like an, a 19 year old kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I know what it's like to not have the voice of God in your life. I know what it's like to feel and know your lostness. And then to be found by by God, to have a relationship with Him when you didn't have one before, and the difference is is faith, mm-hmm. and faith comes by hearing the Word of God and believing it, and trusting in the God who reveals Himself, and He reveals Himself in His Word. And when I trusted in God's Word, and I began to see that God's Word told me about who He was, and showed me Jesus, and showed me that if I really trusted in Christ. And th- this was a long process. This was a, a lot of conversations with uh, a good friend, one of my best friends who is was the, the son of the pastor First Baptist Church mm-hmm. in the town where I grew up. And this was in college where we were roommates. And when I really trusted in, in Jesus Christ, my life changed. And I went from darkness to light in my understanding of who God is and my understanding of God's word. And the irony is I had been really in, I, like I've been a nerd for a while right I didn't have didn't this, this is not new mm-hmm. and I'd studied a lot of literature in high school I really had searched a lot in terms of even of philosophy and trying to work out big ideas and understand things and understand the way the world is and the way that humans are and the way that I am 
And I went to scripture taking some of those tools and I couldn't get a thing out of it. And then I came to a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it was like my eyes were opened Mm -hmm. to what the scripture was, was saying. Well, this is consistent with what scripture teaches. It teaches us that the things of God are discerned spiritually, that we can probe and we can search and we can grope in the dark on our own understanding and looking from the standpoint of all of our um, all of our resources as human beings. But the God who is spirit, the God who is hidden, the God who is immense and eternal and above and beyond our understanding has revealed himself, but only on the basis of faith. And the only way that we get that faith is through the word of God that he has given to us. And the way in which we receive that word is through the Bible that God has given to us. Mm-hmm. Now, that made all the that made all the difference for me. So I came to to faith and I came to to know God through hearing God's voice in God's word. Yeah. And um we live and this is now this is the heady part, but mm-hmm. this is this is really really important. I want you to really think about this for just a minute because we live in what I would call what many people have called a post post-fundamentalist era. Mm-hmm. Can we say post-Christian? Is it the same or is there a difference? It's a little different that? the way that I'm okay. meaning okay. it. Okay, go you ahead. know, the West yeah. has been described as post-Christian. Okay. But in the United States specifically and in the American church, mm-hmm. which is where we're concerned about seeing this erosion yeah. and this negotiating with scripture, mm-hmm. we see a post-fundamentalist era. What does so, that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Because because here's what's so great about me and Bill. <laughs> the two of us is you can talk the heady and then I can break it down for us. Mm-hmm. And then also we may need to go get Dave. That's okay. To really, for, for a, yeah. He can put it in a sentence. Yeah. What, I, what I say. In but a like fundamentalists can have a negative connotation. Right. So what, so what do you mean? By so, that? so what I mean by that yeah. is, and, and it, it does have a negative connotation. Okay. So there's, there's two ways to use, okay. to use that word. Mm-hmm. One came out of the early 20th century mm-hmm. where a lot of heady ideas were floating across the pond from Germany mm. um, that resulted in what, what what you might call theological liberalism. So the Bible was essentially becoming a good book of great morals, but nothing more. Take the supernatural out, okay. r- redo it according to the fashion of the day. Mm-hmm. And reacting against that were the first fundamentalists, capital F. These were people who were theologically informed and very scripturally literate. And they made an amazing defense of the way that the church has always looked at scripture. And guess how the church has always looked at scripture? The scripture is the word of God. God. It's not just the words of human beings. Mm -hmm. So they made a defense for that and they articulated that position. And the 20th century was an amazing time for biblical scholarship, really in all of Western culture, in America in specific. But what I mean by post-fundamentalist, that you, you take that and you come to the 1920s and the, the Scopes trial in Tennessee where... Um, I love this so much. Welcome to my world, y'all. These are the kinds of conversations that we have. This is awesome because you're about to tell us what you this had, trial is. You had the challenge yeah. of uh, evolutionists putting the Bible on the opposite side of science. I see. And, and it was, 
within that trial, really, that those battle lines between science and faith were mm. drawn really, really tight in American culture. Okay. And fundamentalists, now spell it with a small f, okay. kind of got grouped over in a corner in a Christian ghetto. These were people who said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me about your science. I'm going to shut my ears to this. And fundamentalism took on kind of a negative anti-intellectual connotation I see. after that time. Okay. Now, what I mean by post-fundamentalism, put those two together, mm -hmm. the intellectual response against German liberalism, okay. coupled with the populist movement that came out of the Scopes trial in the 1920s, and you've got a, a, a century where you still had a lot of questions, but you could still say, and think of Billy Graham now saying, mm -hmm. the Bible says, the Bible says, throughout much of the 20th century, there, was, there still was weight to an argument that somebody started with, the Bible says. Well, the Bible says, and then you would listen to what they say. Yeah. Today, Carmen, mm -hmm. There's no more weight to that That's whatsoever. Right. You're absolutely right. Biblical authority has not only eroded, mm. biblical authority is gone in the conversation mm. of our culture mm -hmm. today. So that's a that's a reality that we that we live with. The other thing that's happened that I think is playing into this conversation that we're having mm -hmm. is well, let me just say it this way. With the rise of the internet, truth now is democratic. Oh my goodness. True. But, but, truth. But, but we got to put yeah, quotes around sure. that word. Yeah. Because here's what's really happened with the internet. Information has become democratic. Mm -hmm. You can find out anything about anything. Mm -hmm. All you got to do is Google it. Mm -hmm. And so we think now that because we have access to information like this, we, we start to think we're omniscient. Mm. We know everything. There's nothing we can't know. And so we then confuse that with knowing the truth but here's the problem with the information being democratic now you can get it anywhere mm -hmm. we've lost a framework for all the information we don't know how to group it together we don't know how to make sense out of it and so we're slurping stuff up with a spoon as you like yes, to say yeah and and there's a lot of narrative going around about the bible mm -hmm. and about how how politically the scriptures were put together um, Constantine's supposed to have something to do with that in the Council of Nicaea, which historically had nothing to do with the shape of the Bible whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Questions about the Old Testament and about how it came together. And, and these kinds of questions are fine to ask. But with this idea that we can get to truth by just all the information that's out there, yeah. conspiracy theories are running rife today. Mm -hmm. And people are throwing together bits of information and thinking they've got truth and what they've got is a, is a false narrative because truth takes a little more than just information to get to. Yeah. And see, that's where Satan's so good. And I think that's where we, we don't think about that because, and I say this all the time, not just in terms of scripture, but in terms of our lives. Satan is going to take the very thing that Christians, like that is, the Bible is the centerpiece I mean, obviously, Jesus's death and resurre resurrection, but the Bible is the centerpiece. So if he can take scriptures and work with that, that's just how cunning and how evil he is, is if he can take the very thing that is at the core of our Christian faith and make us question it mm -hmm. or explain it away. Or like I said earlier, our relationship with scripture has changed. I mean, that's where the fracturing 
is going to happen and it's ha- and it is happening all around us and i and it's so it's so disheartening at the same time we know that the lord has it and he's going to bring it back around but suppose i'm sitting with girlfriends or you're sitting with you know your kids and some of their friends how do we even begin to in the course of you know we can't all lay out the case for Christ, Lee Strobel's how he proved that. But just in terms of everyday conversation, like what, is there anything off the top of your head, just two or three statements? Like if people say, well, my relationship with scriptures change, or I, you know, I think, I think it's, it is a good book. We should Mm -hmm. follow. I mean, what are, what are red flag statements and what are some good, Mm -hmm. what, how would you coach us to respond? This, this answer may surprise Mm -hmm. you just Mm -hmm. a little bit because it's going to go in a different direction just a little bit because I think that the first thing we really need to do is listen and allow ourselves to be challenged at some of these points. Okay. Because one of the things that the democratization of truth or information has done. And explain that a little bit more for like say that on a so you used to have to level. go to pay a lot of money to uh-huh. get a degree to become an expert on something okay right? now you just google it okay and that's called that's what the democratization of truth so okay. now everybody it's all even playing field okay so the the idea is you know you you can have as much access to information about any subject as mm-hmm. any phd anywhere mm. Okay. What you don't have is the discipline that that PhD had to go through and the framework mm-hmm. that organizes that information mm-hmm. that allows you to actually see see truth for what it is. And so with this this atmos- atmosphere that we live in, yeah. I've talked about the negatives. There's actually a couple positives okay, let's hear. that come out of this. Some, some of the positives are that with this whole picture that I've tried to paint of mm-hmm. the 20th century and what happened with regard to the authority of scripture in the 20th century, mm-hmm. the amount of information that we now have available to us because of the tools of our technology and so forth allows us to have a more honest conversation about things. And so sometimes the church in trying to defend the Bible has held on to things that it really needs to allow itself to be challenged about. Like you make sometimes your view mm-hmm. of a particular subject equal to what the scripture teaches about that subject. Hmm. And we we need to allow ourselves to be challenged on some of that stuff. So so where where I go with this, mm-hmm. Carmen, is is some of the ways in which we're rereading some of the narratives of the Old Testament okay. and trying to understand them. Even even as much as being willing to ask a question, this is this is dangerous. I'll get people throwing things. Uh-huh. But like, for example, the the flood. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about a global flood that changed global geology? Mm-hmm. Or are we talking about a flood that was worldwide from the perspective of the ancient Near East? I'm not taking a position on that, mm-hmm. but I'm saying we're now rereading things. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes the church has to learn to read better. And the, the way that this... This particular moment is challenging us is to read the scripture better, Mm -hmm. but we have to start with the presupposition that it is God's word and not just the arbitrary words of Of men. men, That's that's the fundamental presupposition Mm -hmm. by which we can understand these things. Let me give you the example that we love to talk about, Mm -hmm. which is the example of the way that the church held on to a view of the universe prior to the scientific revolution, Copernicus and Kepler, as they showed that what we have is not the picture of the universe that the medieval church had, which was this picture of concentric spheres with the, the earth at the center of the universe. That fit their worldview. 
And they thought that scripture taught that. And when Kepler and Copernicus showed that, no, we don't actually have a geocentric universe. We have a universe, uh, we have a, a solar system that revolves around the sun. That messed up a lot of the way that the church was reading and teaching scripture, but it actually turned out to be true. And it gave us a better window into what God is saying in his word. It didn't take away from us. Hmm. So we're living in an age when some of the challenges that we have right now regarding science and faith, regarding the way that we read and understand the ancient Near Eastern world of the Bible, these are good challenges that cause us to rethink things as fundamental as what are our roles as men and women? What are our Um, what is the way in which God wants us to uh, apply his word in our lives to everything from politics Mm -hmm. to marriage to all kinds of things. So it, it's not a bad thing for us to allow ourselves to be challenged and to even be shaken loose of some of the things that we've held on to as sacred that aren't really sacred. They're just comfortable for us because we've always said it that way, or we've Mm -hmm. always read it that way. And the word of God doesn't need us to improve it. We just need to sit under the Bible as the word of God. Okay. So we got to bring it back down to our laps because all those people you just talked about, yep. Copernicus and who else? Kepler. Kepler. <laughs> Was Copernicus, Copernicus one of them? <laughs> yes. Okay. No one's talking about that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and I do love, we do need to be challenged and you've certainly challenged me for sure, but still bring it back down to I want to, here's, here's my heart. My heart is for women. There's a lot of books out there. There's a lot of influencers out there. There's a lot of quote unquote Christian authors out there and they write really great. Yeah. And you know who some of them are because I've pulled up their Instagram accounts and I've shown them to you. Mm -hmm. What I want folks to hear, especially my, my sister friends who are listening is that when you hear phrases, just have a red flag. Yes. Do we need to go study? Yes. Do we need to to do all the things that you just said, but in our everyday lives, when we're going to the grocery store, picking up kids from soccer, we're going to Bible study. We are sitting in, in Bible study with women who are following some of these influencers, these authors, these Christian accounts, and they, their ears are not discerning to know. I mean, it's, you just believe it all. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I I have those um, those audible red flags again. Even though my um, even though my view of scripture has changed, or my rela- relationship with scripture, or if people say, "Well, my truth," everyone has their experience. Is there anything else working in the church, or just in your research and your studying? Are there things that people, when they hear, they can say, okay, I need to be aware and not to challenge people, but just to not get caught up in what sounds good? Yeah. You know, um, you've asked me this question before. What are some red flags we Mm -hmm. can look for on an internet post or in in a speaker or something like that that shows that they've set aside the Bible as God's word or set aside the authority of scripture yeah. in their lives. And I really don't have a set of red flags. I just have one flag. Okay. The one flag I think you should look for mm-hmm. is a flag with your own face on it. Mm. And here's what I mean by that. What we're doing these days is replacing the authority of scripture. You, you've got to have something that's sort of fundamental it's sort of ground level like i'm going to base my life on this Mm. 
And so you've got to have something that sort of fits in what a friend of mine used to call the God slot in mm. your heart. What gets final authority? What gets it's good. arbitrating authority? Mm-hmm. And we all start with certain assumptions. If you set aside the authority of scripture in the name, say, of reason, mm-hmm. then reason has the God slot in your life. That's what we've done in the modern era. What we're doing now in this sort of postmodern era is we're putting our own selves and our feelings in that slot, Mm. our own need to be self-actualized, our own need for fulfillment, our own need for affirmation. When that is sitting in the spot of the judge in your heart Mm. and you're judging everything by, does this affirm me? Mm -hmm. Does this make me feel like more of who I'm supposed to be so that I can live an authentic life? That's the picture of you on the flag that you need to look out for. The and when a speaker yeah. has flies that flag, yeah. and you you trace, you got to do some thinking sometimes mm-hmm. and say, where is this going? If if the scriptures can't tell me who I am, then what does inform me as to who I am? If If God who made us, who claims in the Bible to have made us, can't tell us who we are, then where are we going for that self-understanding? We're going somewhere else and we're going to wind up with a flag that's got our face on it. We're yeah. sitting in the God slot. We're yeah. on the throne of our own lives. And that's not really good. Mm-mm. That's where we get into a place where we've set aside the authority of God and we've set up an idol in our own hearts. And that idol turns out to be ourselves ourselves yeah so that's what i would look for and then we're and that's great that is so good because we've talked about this a lot too and so and we're doing it all in the name of jesus yeah that we're more loving and and you hear things you know god wants me to be happy and god wants me to be true to myself and this is how god created me and and you're right if we set aside scripture to go off our own feelings oh my oh my word we cannot trust our feelings our Mm -hmm. feelings change from from day to day. Um, Do you know what Isaiah said? What? In Isaiah 40, verse 8, which is my son Grady's favorite scripture. Yeah. It says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. forever. And you know what Isaiah 47 says right hmm. before that? It hmm. says, surely the people are grass. You can't trust yourself as the ultimate authority for what truth is because you're you're fading you're here for a, a short time and then you're gone there has to be something that outlives you that's more sure than you that is a word that will stand peter picks up on this in mm-hmm. first peter and he he picks up and actually quotes from isaiah and he says uh the same thing he quotes the same thing the word of our god will stand forever and then he says this is the good news that I, that was preached to you so our salvation, our relationship with God depends upon the word of God being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And in Second Peter, in the New Testament, the second letter he wrote, he writes this. He says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So there you have something that is more sure, mm-hmm. that is more trustworthy than just the way that you feel or the way that you can work it out. God's word claims this for itself. It proves it out because the things that were spoken about Jesus actually got fulfilled. Mm -hmm. We have prophecy fulfilled. 
And then as you put your trust and faith in that word, would you say that it's true based upon your experience, Carmen? I would. Mm -hmm. I would say that when I trusted in Christ and when I step out in faith on the word of God, I'm stepping onto something solid. Solid. Solid ground. When I trust my gut, Mm -hmm. sometimes it works, sometimes Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to base a whole worldview and a whole idea on, on my, my gut. On my feelings. Yeah. And that's the thing. And it just kind of takes us back full circle again. But we've got all these years of church doctrine and church history. Why all of a sudden in the last 20 years are we so dang smart? Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yep. But I think it's a scheme of the enemy that we're all slurping up with a spoon. That we are. We're setting aside scriptures to be more like Jesus. And that is just... It's just, it's, it's cunning, you know, it's just. You mentioned that and yeah. you mentioned it before. One of, one of my favorite observations was from a guy named R.C. Sproul who just okay. passed away a couple of years ago. And I think he was quoting from his teacher, John Gerstner. And he, he talked about the fact that the, the, the battle from a, from a spiritual standpoint, mm-hmm. the, the, the battleground has always focused on the authority of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And you can take that back and you can show. In the early church, they fought that battle. We're fighting it again. Mm -hmm. But now let's go all the way back to the first temptation Mm. in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? That was the question. The serpent said to Eve. He questioned the Mm -hmm. authority of God's command Mm -hmm. that he gave them in the garden. Did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Oh, he said we can't eat of this one. But that's Mm -hmm. the point. He Mm -hmm. twisted scripture. It was very cunning and very subtle. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was deceived. Yeah. And that began a mess of stuff right there. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's in the your perennial wa- battle. In your walk with God, what do you know? This might be a tough question, but like, what do you know for sure about him? Like what gives you assurance? I mean, because we all know how the story ends. We all know that we're going to be okay. But I don't know. What do you know for sure that his word is going to prevail? I mean, do you think that people... He's, he, I don't feel like God and Satan are equal opposites. Yeah. Yes, Satan has got a foothold on this right now because people are not looking to Scripture as ultimate authority. Um, but what do you know about God to know that it's going to be? I guess give us some encouragement. Well, what I'm I think if you just if you just look if you read the the, the Bible in large chunks yeah. and you see the way that God has always interacted with His people, mm-hmm. we're kind of in one of those spaces. And this is just my my opinion yeah, it's sure. just my my yeah. sizing things up but we're kind of in that space right now i feel like in the american church where we're kind of being allowed to go through some stuff yes because we're fat and happy and rich and right. we're we're perfectly fine becoming very insular we just mm-hmm. look at ourselves and mm-hmm. we we forget that somebody said this the other day and i thought oh my gosh this is so good they that um, this was, was our friend Hope mm. that was in oh, yeah. the other day and uh-huh. she said that somebody at her church was asking the question Lord how does the death of Jesus show forth in my life mm. we just don't have a lot of room for that kind of thinking in, in the in the church we want the biggest the best the most programs the most convenience for me yeah. and my family and stuff like that so I feel like we're going through a time where God's allowing us to kind of be not persecuted. That's mm-hmm. the wrong yeah, word. Yeah, because we're it. not being persecuted. But I right. know what you're saying. To be tested a little yeah. bit, or to dig yeah. our heels in. A Things aren't bit. as as easy. Not, right. And they might get a lot worse. Yeah. And we will be tested. And what would you say? How would you offer us encouragement? Because you, I mean, I've come to you before when th- things, you know, 
something happens on social media and people, people that we know and love, they're so convinced of other things. And it's, and I've come to you and said, what if we're missing it? Yeah. How, what if I'm missing? I don't want to, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history here. Right. But again, I got to go down with scripture. If I'm going down, I'm going down with scripture. I've just, I'm putting my stake in that. So what would you what would you say to us to stand firm? Well, scripture show, shows us a picture mm-hmm. of a God who is both very close to us mm-hmm. and very intimate with us. And we like songs that talk about that. Yeah. But also he's really big. Mm-hmm. He really has things figured out. He's yeah. got the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He sees it and he knows it. Mm-hmm. He's controlling the ultimate outcomes of, of mm-hmm. history. His plan will ultimately prevail. And you can see him working in so many instances in scripture, mm-hmm. look at the story at the end of the book of Genesis of Joseph. Mm-hmm. Joseph gets betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a well, picked up as a slave, sold. He's in, in this Egyptian official's house. He's a servant. He, he eventually rises through a set of reversals and circumstances to the second highest official in all of Egypt. And through that, God saves his people. Mm-hmm. He saves the family who would become the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. That's the way God works. Peter goes through a time of deception, kind of like what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Peter. That's exactly what this is. It's a time of deception. It is. Peter goes through this mm-hmm. in the in the life, in his life with Jesus. He he confesses, you know, like Jesus gathers all of his all of his followers. He says, Who do men say that I am? And say, Well, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And Peter makes this confession. He says, You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the Living God. And, and Jesus says, Peter, you got it, but you didn't get it from your own smarts. Mm -hmm. God revealed it to you. Mm. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Simon, son of John, but my father who's in heaven. Mm -hmm. Peter, I tell you, you're the rock and on this rock, I will build my My church church. and the gates of hell will not Not prevail prevail. against it. Mm -hmm. Well, the first challenge to that statement was that a few verses later, Peter tries to oppose Jesus going to the cross. And then a few chapters later, Peter's denying that he ever knew Jesus because he's scared and afraid and the church is in utter defeat. Do you realize this? The church consisting of Jesus' disciples Mm -hmm. at his crucifixion Mm. is defeated. Mm. It's out. Mm -hmm. And guess what happens right after that? God sends the Holy Spirit, Mm. empowers his followers. Mm. 3,000 come to faith in one day and within a few hundred years, the church has overspread the Western world. This is the way God works. Mm. He's not doing it any differently now. We may go through a time of decline, even a time of deception. Some of his Mm. disciples may get temporarily deceived. Some may even fall away like Judas did because they never were part of the true church. Mm. But ultimately, God's plan for the church will prevail. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he knew what he was saying and he meant it. Mm. So I have a lot of confidence because I believe in a big God who's able to take reversals like the cross yeah. and bring resurrection out of it. Man, that's great. That is, that's a great place to end. Yeah, man, this is exactly what I wanted. And I love how passionate you get about the scriptures. And I think more than anything, I love that people listening have got to have a peek inside what I get all the time. So I hope that Copernicus, this, Kepler, all yeah, that stuff. See, but I bring him da- back down. I'm like, <laughs> okay, we got it. We got it. But what does that mean for us today? But that's so good because here's the thing. You're so knowledgeable about all of that and you can trace trace it back to where it happened. And it does make sense. And you have talked to me about that before where science became at odds 
with mm-hmm. the Bible. And this generation is just not, ha- I mean, they're not having that. It's, you can't just say because God said so anymore. You have to hit them on the science level. And we really do have to become good listeners within yes. those of us who want to hold to the authority of Scripture. And we could talk about the way in which the scriptures were composed and the reliability of the texts of scripture. Yeah. I believe in that so strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have to be willing to listen to, to the challenges that are being brought up that people are bringing, especially sure. in the generation of my kids, mm-hmm. because it's causing a crisis of faith for us to just take the old way of articulating it yeah. and just say, we'll just believe the Bible. Okay. So we'll finish up one more role play here. Yeah. And then this will be the conclusion of, the first time Bill appears on my off air with Carmen, because I know you're going to be back a lot. Um, okay, so say you're talking to a young person and they say, because this has happened, they say, we we like Jesus, we're good with Jesus, but we're not so sure about Paul. How yeah. do you answer that? Wow. That's one of the... One of the things that's kind of out there right now in the in the air and, and water, I would just challenge them, first of all, to demonstrate for me how what Paul taught was in opposition to what Jesus taught. Because in Paul's mind, he's pretty much teaching and preaching Jesus. The gospel that he got, he got, hello, from Jesus. Mm-hmm. He ran into Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was headed to persecute the church, and he was you know, converted. And he began to see that Jesus was the answer to all of scripture. You know, when he says in second Timothy three sixteen, when he says all scriptures inspired of God and profitable for, uh, for training, for correction, for reproof, for training of righteousness, mm-hmm. all of these, things, he, he was referring to the old Testament. Mm-hmm. What Paul did after his experience and his encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, you find it in Acts chapter nine, you read that chapter, you see what happens with Paul. What he did was he went back and he was, he had been trained in uh, with some of the best scholarship available to first century Jews and Pharisees of his time. He went back and reread the Old Testament this time with the with the with the assumption, with the understanding, in some way, all of this is related to Jesus Christ. In some way, Christ is what this is all about. Mm-hmm. That's what the early church took. They took that I have to use the word presupposition. Mm-hmm. That was their fundamental assumption. Mm-hmm. Let's go back and reread the Old Testament in the light of Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the way Paul read his Old Testament. That's what he teaches in the epistles. I think a lot of times people just will Why say that. Why would someone even say that though? Why would someone even say? Because Paul has stuff in there we don't like. Okay. He talks about our idolatry and he, okay. he teaches weird things he says weird things in ephesians 5 wives submit to your husbands husbands love your wives we got to do business with some of that stuff yeah he doesn't take on slavery in a modern 21st century context using the language and categories that we would if we were taking on slavery got it so there's a few things that socially mm-hmm. paul gets in trouble in our day because we read him with modernist filters I see. okay and we don't like that's that. good see that's why i love talking to you because that explains it because you are hearing that these days. It's all about, I want to be like Jesus, I'm not interested in scriptures, but I want to be like Jesus. And right. I'm having a hard time divorcing the two. Yeah. So, and yeah. that's why I had you on. Well, thank you. Okay. So at, at the end of the day, if you're listening to this podcast, read the Bible, read your scriptures, investigate it. I mean, test it, do all the things that we've talked about. But at the end of the day, you have to choose either... Either the Bible is God's word fully, Mm -hmm. 
or it's not. Yeah. We don't, it's not a smorgasbord where we get to pick and choose. The flower fades, the grass withers, or maybe it's the flower withering and the grass. No, no, that's right. Yeah. But the word of God stands forever. forever. I've staked my life on that, Carmen. I'm right there with you. I'm going down with you on scripture. Thank you. I love you, my brother, Bill. Love you, Carmen. Thanks. Y'all, what you just heard is seriously what it's like to do life with Bill Martin. We have conversations like this all the time. And honestly, we go even deeper. I want Bill to be a regular on my podcast because I want you to be able to sit in on these conversations. We're both pretty passionate about God's word, and we both feel the burden to keep pointing folks there. Thanks for listening to my fifth episode. I want to thank our buddy Brandon Heath for letting me use his music. The song you're listening to right now, Got the Love, is from his Faith, Hope, Love repeat record. Okay, that's it for me today. Don't forget to subscribe, and I'll see you back here next week.